first we tango Then we fall in what we do 91.3 wvkr independent radio poughkeepsie new york brian mitchell's brand new release solo work titled songs from the lower east side we just heard tango and i do believe we've got brian on the line so let's get him on air brian you with me yes i am Uh, it's a beautiful thing it's always a good start when i don't disconnect somebody so um let me do a brief introduction and um and we'll get into it I'll start off by saying multi-instrumentalist, vocalist, and composer Brian Mitchell has worked with countless musicians, including Levon Helm and the Midnight Ramble Band, Bob Dylan, B.B. King, Dolly Parton, Little Feet, Roseanne Cash, Alan Toussaint, and Buster Poindexter, just to to name a few. He's also recorded and performed his own original music and has appeared on five Grammy Award-winning recordings. As well as being part of the Wait Band, he also performs his solo music. His latest release is titled Songs from the Lower East Side. The Wait Band will be at Levon Helm Studios in Woodstock on January 28th. Brian will also be at Tinker Street Tavern in Woodstock with his solo project on January 20th. Welcome back. A warm welcome back to Local Motion, Brian Mitchell. It's been a few, uh, few minutes since we've had you on here. I guess it has. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hearing an echo. You are? Yes. Okay. Um, Let's see. Maybe. I don't want to throw you some technological stuff at you. but No, no, no. It's all good. Okay. Is it still echoing? Hello? Yep. Yeah. Nope. There it's gone. Now it's gone. Okay. I think. All right. Well, we're going to hope for the best. Um, okay. All right, and uh, yeah, and let's let's start this off. Um, we just heard Tango. That was your new release that just came out not that long ago, which I play very often here because I'm digging it, and uh, I think I play this party is over almost all the time because it's just such a cool oh, right track. On. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's start and back up a little, and let's say this is your life, Brian Mitchell, and let's go back. You're a native New Yorker. Yes, I am. Born and raised where? Well, I was born in the Bronx, mm-hmm. um, but then my family moved uh, kind of at an early age, so we moved all over the South in different places. My dad uh, was not a military person. He was just a uh, a guy who liked to get up and go get different jobs, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> So, um, which kind of informed a lot of things in my life in retrospect, you know, I mean... You know, I moved to the South and I started hearing that kind of music that eventually kind of really uh, became part of my fabric. So, you know, for a guy from the Bronx, you know, who grew up with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, then I eventually got into like the band and Little Feet and whatever else goes along with that, you know. Tell me uh, about your family. I mean, I know Italian and um, you guys listen to Dean Martin, like you said, and, and Frank Sinatra. What was your first instrument? My first instrument was piano. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I guess my mother used to tell me she was a housewife and she was taking piano lessons uh, just to have a hobby. And I'd sit down next to her and play the piano and 
pretty soon, you know, she just said, well, do you want to come to my, you know, to my piano teacher? So I would come along and then pretty soon she, uh, the piano teacher was torturing her saying that I was getting, but your son is better than you. You've got to, you know, and then she was, they bumped her out. So, And how old she, were you? I was about eight years old. Wow. Like wow. All yeah. right. And did you Plus, do- as a little funny aside, she, uh, she liked the idea of me having some more culture in my life rather than, you know, Growing up in the Bronx around gangster types that hung out in bars and clubs, she thought by interject, you know, having culture be part of my life, that would take me out of that lifestyle. Gotcha. And it was, Did it work? You know, not so, no, it really didn't work, but I appreciate her uh, <laughs> yeah. effort. It was a good effort, you know, a good parental effort. It was a good effort, effort. yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, in school, did you play music in school? Uh, since I... Since I attended, uh, we moved a lot. I was never in schools that very long, so mm-hmm. I was never engaging in kind of school activities pretty much my entire life. Gotcha. So, gotcha. you know, there were people that were in high school bands. I went to like five different high schools. So, you know, I mean, I, I knew there were music programs, but I just, everything I did was outside of that. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I started, I joined bands and I played in bands, but it had nothing to do with school. Tell I, me about, I had very little to do with school. That, yeah, you know, and that happens. Some of the best musicians have the same story. Tell me about some of those earlier band names, if you remember. I always think they're so fascinating, these teenage names. Oh, the, oh my God. Now, that's funny that you say that because I can't even recall any of it. I just See? remember the kind of musics that we played. Like, uh, which was probably what? the. Well, the first band I think it was in um, was uh, we played like a lot of Leonard Skinner and Allman Brothers because we moved to Miami, Florida, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that music was so. And I didn't, I wasn't really that familiar with that kind of stuff, but I could play classical piano and I could play Freebird on the piano. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, all these years later, I had somebody contacted contact me on the internet and said. Are you that guy that was at South Miami High School that you that could play the hell out of that free bird? And I was like, I'll be God to you. Well, yes. I tell <laughs> you. You're still rocking free bird? I said, no, I'm not. And people still scream that, and I will not play that. But, uh, you know, yes, I'm that guy. Yeah. Sure. Isn't that funny how it comes back to yeah. find you with the Internet? I tell you. Oh, yeah. it is. Yes, yeah. Yeah. for sure. Um, when did you say to yourself, I think you had odd jobs, right, up until you were like 20, 21. Um, when did you say to yourself, this isn't for me, I really want to make a go at being a full-time musician? Well, I think the first time it struck me, and I think a lot of musicians, if they'll be honest with it, it's there's a little sexual element to it. Uh, first time being at a party at 16 and playing piano and have girls come around, I said, Oh, I like where this is going, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then playing a party and having, you know, then suddenly you were popular in that way, which I was never, you know, a social, very social person. So that sort of put it in my head, like, this is a direction that I can relate to, I think, in some ways. Right. But, uh, yeah. And I pretty much was in bands, like, even when I was in high school. So I was starting to make money already. And even when I went to school at San Jose State in California, and the people there were all about, like, if you're out there making money and playing, then you're doing something. That, uh, so basically, I was gradually making money playing music. So the transition was pretty easy for me. Easy for you, yeah. And was it, I, I mean, I know now you do the accordion and all of that, but was it just piano for a really long time? Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did songwriting start coming into your life? Uh, you know, it's fun. It's interesting. During the pandemic, 
sitting around with time on my hands, I started going through old cassettes I found dating back to when I was 15, 16. I was writing songs since I was about 15 years old. Whoa. Not for anybody to play in public. I just did it. Right. And I didn't even, I hadn't even given it a second thought. And I was kind of blown away by the fact that I was doing that just as a release, just as something that expressing myself. Wow. And I didn't play any music, original music until I was about 24, 25 mm-hmm. uh, publicly. But mm-hmm. I guess I was writing since way back then. So. Tell me about your first recording session, if you remember it. Shit. Uh, <laughs> what? My first. Re- uh, I really don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't. Been, I really can't. Re- there's been recall. so, so many. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it was always a kind of a part, you know, recording demos with bands. And it was pretty much from an early age. So I can't really recall, you know, I guess every band I was in, we would try and do some demo or something. So right. it was at pretty early age. Right. Oh, and for instance, but an interesting, another interesting thing is going through these cassettes. In addition to original music, I found myself uh, recording certain things. Like I didn't realize that my interest in certain people, like uh, I found a recording of me playing solo organ, and the track was titled uh, "Garth Hutchins Burns Down His Parents' House." No way! I said, oh. Yeah, I was like fifteen, and I didn't even know I was listening. Wow! At the time. But I must have, so there it is. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You and I both share a deep love of New Orleans music. Um, how did you get into it? Well, I got into it, I can't recall which came first, but it was around the time of I discovered Professor Longhair, James Booker, Dr. John, mm-hmm. and Alan Toussaint. And I was about 19, and I was living in California, and I don't know why. But something, the second I heard that music, it just, it just reverberated. It's like that's, I related to it like, I, you know, like almost like something from a past life. Mm-hmm. And I just became a fanatic about it at that time. And so, and no one I knew even listened to that music. And I remember I went and saw Dr. John with the Wild Chapatulas. And that even, you know, I didn't even know about Mardi Gras Indians and that culture. And I didn't know about Dr. John, but I said, man, this is what I relate to. So... Um, wow. Yeah. You wow. know, kind of like the Blues Brothers where the lightning strikes you. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That's and my mission. I'm guessing this was all before like YouTube and the internet and all of that stuff. So Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's yes. kind of cool just to come across stuff. Back then, you know, you just really relied on radio. And if you heard it on the radio or someone turned you on to it somehow, um, you know, that's how we learned of music. Um, You've uh, you've been to New Orleans. You recently um, posted um, uh, Walter Wolfman Washington just passed away, also an icon of the New Orleans music scene. Um, tell us about you working with him. Well, I tell you what, I hadn't thought about it in many years, but that was my intro to the real New Orleans. Well, basically, I'm living in New York City, and I was doing a lot of probably playing a lot of New Orleans music. It's you know just what I was into. And so um, I get a call just out of the blue. Uh, Wolfman Washington needs a piano player to do a gig that night and then to tour Europe for his new record, Seda, and wanted to know if I was interested. And I didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I called John Cleary, 
I love great him. New Orleans player, love who him. I knew. Oh yeah. And great who guy. I knew had played with Walter, so I called him up and he just just laughed hysterically and he said, "Oh, you got to do this, bro." And I said, "Why are you laughing?" He goes, "You just have to do it to to really know why I'm laughing." And I get it, you know. It's it was a surreal ride with those guys. Right. Um, uh-huh. When I say it was an introduction to New Orleans, it was music, culture, the whole thing. I mean, you know, living on say <laughs> those guys hit it hard pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> bet. How long did you yeah. work with him? Oh my god, a bunch of years. Yeah. Basically I did the tour, we worked out great and he said, Bro, you you gotta come down to New Orleans move to New Orleans to be in the band. And I said, Well, I got some other shit going on. Sorry, I guess I'll have to pass. Right. And then I get a call in the spring, Do you wanna do this tour of Europe? I said, Yeah, sure. Or do you wanna to come to Mardi Gras? Yeah. And that went on for a bunch of years. Uh, yeah, man. So I sort of just spent a lot of time down there mm-hmm. without ever moving there. I slept on a lot of couches. And yeah, like that. yeah, that's the way to but do it. But the interesting thing about it with um, with Wolf was the, is that he is the most atypical New Orleans guy, at least, well, I'd, I'd even say till now. I mean, he's just not the usual uh, what I thought of as New Orleans from all the stuff that I heard. His stuff is a very unique take on that music because he uh, draws on a whole bunch of soul um, music and R&B that's even not from New Orleans, but translated through his whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, like Tyrone Davis and uh, these other kind of uh, Johnny Guitar Watson and uh, with stuff, again, that I wasn't that familiar with. And um, so I learned a lot of music of that kind of music through him. Yeah. But there was unmistakably, he's unmistakably New Orleans in his approach and what he does. And part of when I say that, I think that makes it unique is people in New Orleans take music and they, they make it their own. I mean, Wolf sounds like his, Dr. John sounds like his own, the, the Neville brother sounds like, and that's something different. And I'm not saying this is a put down, but I mean, sometimes up in New York or up North, People would learn this kind of music. Well, you know, like I learned it off records and things like that. But uh, there it's about sounding like who you are. And mm-hmm. so you'll, you'll learn stuff, but then you try and put your individual stamp on it. And uh, that stuck with me till this day. Yeah. Like, that's the part I relate to. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. Yeah. I just took my first trip down there and in around oh, Thanksgiving. You did. That's right. Yeah, I went down yeah. there Thanksgiving and every day I saw two to three bands and right around the corner of Frenchman Street. I mean, I think that when I die that'll be like what my heaven is gonna look like. Um, because it's uh-huh. all music. It's all music. Never mind the food, never mind just the culture of the people and just being so incredibly welcoming and cool. And it it is its own little universe, I think. Yeah, and it's. Well, I'll give you another example of the uniqueness of of Wolf. Is so I get on. The, so I have one day notice, and I'm supposed to play this this new record that they just did. So I'm on the plane transcribing all the music, and I'm writing charts out. And then I get to we're to London, and we're playing this big gig at London. And Jack Cruz, the bass player, said, "Well, just learn these songs just to make it easier." So, you know, you have so much you have to take in. And uh, so I'll make it easy. Just play these, learn these songs. So I transcribe them all. And we get to the gig and we play it. And he hasn't played one song off (laughs) the list he gave me. And so I kind of take all the charts I wrote and just 
crumpled them in my hand and said, the hell with this mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then I just said, I'm just going to play music and go down in flames. Right. And then Wolf came up afterwards in the set and he goes, now you're beginning to understanding the understanding of the understanding. I said, okay, whatever that is. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Let, let's go that way. I like and that. That was a, yeah, and it's just like not about learning off records. You just play of the moment and make yep. it happen. Yep, yep, yep. That's that why improv. I to Wolf. Yeah, that improv and these people just getting together and doing their thing. Um, one of the concerts I saw when I was down in New Orleans, I was at Tipitana's, and it was the night before Thanksgiving, and a friend of mine lives down there. He's also a part-time DJ at WWOZ, um, and he said to me that, like, if this is the show you go to all year, you go to this. And it was a tribute to Alan Toussaint. His fa- oh, yeah. family was there. His little Rolls Royce was parked right out front. They took the license plate out and it just said songs. And they put it up on the stage and it was beautiful. Irma Thomas there. Um, what's the guy from the meters, the bassist? Um, oh my George God. Porter. Yeah, George Porter Jr. was there. John Cleary was there. Ivan Neville was there. I'm telling you, I'll remember that show until like I'm not here anymore. It was just such, they played all Alan Toussaint music and in their own way and it just sounded so damn cool. It really was unbelievable. So um, yeah, I have a feeling I'll be back down there sooner rather than later. I just, oh my gosh. What a place. What a place. Um, I'll tell you, Alan was one of, I mean, my, one of my mentors, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I did, I've crossed paths with him many times over the years. And uh, originally... How'd you meet him? Like, do you remember probably, your initial meeting with him? Yes, I do. I, he was, there was an off-Broadway, there was a Broadway show called High Rollers that he was, um, it, was about, it was all his music. And they, they were looking for an understudy. And so, again, I guess I had a reputation, that, you know, that I could play that style of piano. And so they called me and I did an audition. Alan, I just went up to Midtown and sat at a piano, grand piano next to him and played for him, which is pretty intimidating. Sure, um, sure. But, uh, and I ended up getting the gig as his understudy. So uh, it was a pretty amazing experience. I got to sit next to him and learn his music. Wow. And, uh, Man. yeah, it was, it was, uh, and he actually... Uh, well, you know, enough time goes by where I can tell these stories, which I might not have said before. But I ended up, so I did this thing for a while, and then right before the show was about to open, they I got nixed from the, the gig because the producer said, well, Alan can't do it. It doesn't look good to have a white guy play the show. What? They didn't like the look of it. Wow. Now, you know, in a, from what I've seen in my whole life, the, there have been enough prejudice against blacks and so many other situations mm-hmm. that I'm like, well, I'll take one for the team because I get, but still it pissed me off. You right. know, there's no doubt. Right. But then eventually they called me up and they said, would uh, the guy they got wasn't really satisfactory. So they wanted to hire me to tutor him. So I said, are you kidding me? Now, <laughs> now I've got to sort of have to draw the line. But I talked to Alan and then Alan he hit me. It was some really great. I mean, I was very young at the time, but he said, look, man, he goes, I'm not telling you what to do, but uh, from a business level, these are people with money and they want to give you money, take their money, uh-huh. yep. you know? And I said, well, I hadn't thought of it like that. You know, I thought of principles and this and that, but, and so I took their money. I showed up there and I hung out with Alan for another month, wow. just hanging out. And I, wow. I'd go by the other guy and go, sounded good, man. Or try this a little bit of that. I didn't try to tell him too much, but I said, you know, that's cool. So, wow. and then Alan eventually, 
started coming up to the Midnight Rambles with Levon. So I've had a really long history with him. Did he remember you when he came up there? I'm guessing he must have. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he actually gave me some – he was one of those kind of guys when he talked, he said to me always insightful things. And um, there's many things he told me. But one of the things he said, we were sitting there, I was playing accordion, and I was playing some old piano – no one was standing on accordion. And he came up and he said, hey, bro, you owe it to yourself to explore the accordion in a way like no one else has done. He goes, there's a lot of cats that play New Orleans piano, but there's no one that sounds like you on on accordion. And he goes, you owe it to yourself to develop that. And I said, well, man, you know, what an inspiring thing to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and it always y- stuck with me. Years later, and now look at you. How many do you have? <laughs> How ah. many accordions do I have? Uh, yeah. I should, I don't know, I have about eight or ten or something. Uh-huh, like nice, nice. That's really cool. Yeah. And they each have a story, I'm sure. So, yeah. Uh, they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So you've yeah. been uh, in tons of recording sessions. B.B. Um, King, Dolly Parton, Dylan. Talk about some of the memorable sessions that you have that you think of when you say oh that was a interesting session or a wacky session or cool session what do you think of when you think of some of the session work you've done well those two stand out for sure um starting with the dylan thing was i could probably have to do a whole show on the dylan thing um, <laughs> but uh that was a call where i got it was for uh it started out as a song that he did in the, for the Sopranos, and it was Bob doing "Return to Me" by Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. And I thought, even when I got the call, I said, "Well, I, you know, it's funny. I've told this to some people. I, I, I don't mean this to sound arrogant, you know, but I am the perfect guy for that gig mm-hmm. because I grew up listening to Dean Martin music, and I'm a Dylan fanatic. So I was, the chances are, I don't know. I just thought I'm the guy for that gig for right. sure. Right." And um, and the interesting thing about it too was that you uh, when I took the gig they said um, you can't it's a very secretive thing the Dylan thing plus the Sopranos was very secretive so they they said they told me you can't tell anyone that you've done this session and uh, did you have to like sign an NDA I didn't have no I didn't but I had to swear that I wouldn't. And of course, after I did the session, I went downtown immediately. The first bar I stopped in, they said, "What did you do?" I said, "Don't tell anyone." But I just played with Dylan and just you and me, just between you and me. And every bar I went to that night, I probably said the same thing. Oh man! And before you know it, yeah, that must have been something. So, had you met Dylan prior to that session? No, it was out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Out, of, mm-hmm. out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. good old Tony Garnier. And was too. That was interesting. I mean, it was just. Uh, he couldn't be nicer. I mean, he's, uh, I'm still, people are astounded when I tell him. I mean, he was just, part of it was, another thing was they said, you can't, don't look at him, don't talk to him directly, don't do this and that. And I just thought, well, I'm just being set up for just the worst kind of, you know, so an accident waiting to happen. I was one of those kids where you told me not to do something. You're going to do it. Gonna do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when we did the thing, we did a few takes. And I even said, hey, Bob, man, that was incredible. And I slapped him on the shoulder, and <laughs> I got the vibe by everyone in the room. You should not touch him. Uh-huh. I mean, not uh-huh. to say you don't look at But then he sort of, he kind of said, yeah, man, and he sort of punched me back. And I said, then I was cool. Then he called me Brian. Hey, Brian, make this happen. Do this. 
he must have liked that I punched him in the shoulder. I now, do you was Larry in the band then too, Larry Campbell? Yes, he was. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, and of course, Tony's been there forever. Um, what was this yeah. like the late nineties or something, or with with Sopranos? Yes, it was. Yeah, and uh, Sean Pelton was playing drums. No way! Wow. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So I mean, I like I knew all the guys in the band. I think Tony was the one that probably got me in on the on the gig. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he got Larry and, you in know, the gig, For my too. family in the Bronx to play, it's not about playing with Dillard. To play on the Sopranos was like a major thing. Sure. Finally, I did something that they'd heard of, you know. Right, 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 right. Very, yeah, yeah. Very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and the beautiful Dolly Parton. Talk about her. Man, there's a... Uh, one of those incredible people, to, you know, the, one of the nicest people of, of, that you can ever meet in the bit, music business. I mean, just even the way she would talk to people, you know, she would she would say, you know, what you played was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, what might be nice, too, is if you did it this way. And then you're like, whatever way you want me to do it, I'll do it. She just was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, there were a few other things. First of all, this that happened around. I did a few TV shows with her. And then I'd do a recording. And then the uh, Christmas Eve, I get this huge, I get this knock on the door. It's this huge bouquet of flowers and a vase. And it said, thank thank you from Dolly Aww. for your purchase, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, who does that? Man? Right. Like, um, but then, then we had another part, you know, just to continue, because I can go all day with this. But she, uh, one of the TV shows we did, they said, uh would you like a picture with Dolly? I said, I would love one, you know? Sure. But not, I, so we did our video thing, and then I'm waiting around, and the BBC is, is interviewing her. And uh, so I told the, her, the manager, I said, I'm so sorry, but i got to run. So you tell Dolly thank you, but I have, you know, I, she goes, no, no, Dolly wants you to have a picture. I said, well, no, I know, but I don't want to interrupt. And she goes, no, and they ran up and whispered in Dolly's ear, and she shut down the entire BBC interview Jeez. so that I could get up and take a picture with her. And I just said, man, this woman is incredible. Wow. Wow. That's a, what, a, what a great memory of her. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, it really. I mean, it is fantastic. How'd you meet so, Jimmy Vivino? Who's that? How'd you meet Jimmy Vivino? Jimmy Vivino. There's a changing moment. I, we met on a Stan Bronstein big band gig. And Stan Bronstein was this kind of legendary. He had a big band. He he was known for the, uh, he was, had a band, Elephant's Memory, that backed up John Lennon. Wow! But he was like a jazz guy that played in rock and roll stuff, and he had a big band. And Jimmy was the one that told me this thing about him, saying uh, Stan's big band is made up of of jazz guys, so he could yell at them that they didn't know how to play in rock and roll, and the rock and roll guys, he yell at them they they couldn't play any jazz. He was he yelled. The guy screamed all the time. Old school screaming band leader. But uh, that's how I met Jimmy. Wow. And then, wow. And then of course... Jimmy and Jimmy introduced me to a hell of a lot of people, including Levon Hell. I was to, that's where I was going. And then you get a phone call saying what to you about yeah, coming up there? Yeah, phone call was like, Hey, you feel like uh, coming up to Woodstock and playing with Levon Helm tonight? And I was just like, well, you know, I, w- I was going to watch the football game, but why not? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Do you remember your first ramble? Yes, distinctly, because I, I didn't know what to expect. And it was just it was just like walking into a circus. 
And then at the end of the night, Levon goes, so can I count on you for next Saturday? I said, wow. yeah, I'll block it out, man. You know? Yeah. Do you remember who the, who the guest was? Eight years of, what's that? Do you remember who the guest was? Phoebe Snow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She was, yeah. Oh. There's a there's a thing on YouTube of it actually, um, yeah. <laughs> so that was, and, it, and that's the thing about those rambles. It seemed like every week was somebody of note. Right. It, was, it was like a blur. Like now, years later, I just. But at the time, you just do it because it just is what was happening. Right. But uh, you know, what are some of the most had, memorable ones that you have as far as memories of rambles? One that stands out to me is, uh, well, Elvis Costello and Alan Toussaint, mm. who had just done a record together, mm. and they just came up and they wanted to play some of the songs off the new record. And it was just exciting to hear, hear something before the record came out, and we're going, man, this is going to be incredible music. Right. And uh, again, any chance to work with Alan for me is uh Especially. He had the effect of me when I played with, especially at the Rambles where we got to play together, is when he played and his playing is so economical and concise that if you play, if I played any peripheral bullshit, it was obvious to me the second I did it. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, just play the right shit. Right. That's basically his thing. Cool. And, uh, right. He was very inspiring to play with. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And of course, you had like Mavis Staples up there and. That was a memorable one, too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. A memorable, I'll tell you a, a thing there, and there's, I think somebody finally posted something. It's, while we were doing that, it was a hailstorm going on, and we're sitting outside just watching the, it, you know, it was like the heavens, it was it was like biblical proportions. Mm-hmm. And they start, the two of them start singing, Didn't It Rain, Children, the whole gospel tune. Mm. And I just sat there and I thought, this might be one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Like just sitting on the porch, listening to those two sing together and just with the joy that they had. And in they, in the moment. A, you know, in taking a moment. break from a rehearsal. And that was particularly one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. I think when I was talking to Eric Lawrence, he actually took a video. He's the one that filmed it, didn't yeah, he? I, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the one that had that on video. And uh, how cool of him to be able just to have the wherewithal to be like, oh my gosh, I got to capture this one, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and, brings some attention to me the, of all the things that I did. I wish I had more of that right. over the years. Yeah, yeah. You don't realize it, I, I guess, was, right? When you're in uh, the moment. I was terrible at that. I mean, I might have 10 photos of me and Levon together mm-hmm. out of all those years. Just mm-hmm. I just didn't think like that. You right, know? right, right. And at least you have those 10, but boy, I bet you wish you had 100 of them, you know? I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. for years, there were no photographs allowed in there, you know? Um Right. A little yeah. different nowadays. Everybody's, you know, shooting everything all over. But um, back then it was so strict. Like if you had your phone out, forget it. You'd be thrown out, you know. So um, at least during shows, maybe it was a little bit different, you know, behind the scenes or when you get there and all of that stuff. But um, well, plus back then, I just thought it was not cool to do. Mm-hmm. I just, You know, it was a different time. Back then, I, you know, I always had this feeling of people that go take photos with other people. It just seemed corny to me. Now I don't think it. I mean, now I'm glad that I have whatever photos I have. Right. But at the time, I thought it was like, oh, you know, I don't know, just kind of 
Well, whatever. I, so I didn't, I, you know, and I'll give you, an, I'll show you how far I've come. <laughs> no, I just did this, this, that gig with Phil Lesh a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, at Bethel and, Woods, right? At Bethel Woods. Mm-hmm. And so we're backstage, and, uh, <laughs> and so before we go out, Phil does this thing where he goes, sort of like a prayer thing where you all hold hands. Mm-hmm. And then he started doing it. It sounded like a Tibetan monk drone. And it's going on for a few minutes. And I'm grabbing my camera going, shit, I got to somehow I got to film this, but not draw attention to myself. It didn't come out because I'm not good at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the you idea try. that I would actually try to film such a thing right. would have not even been close to it back in the day. Right. And you had played with Phil when he was at the at the barn, too, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And Bob Weir and and that whole thing. And uh, yeah, and Yorma was there. Oh, my God. The list goes on and on. I I can't even begin to say. And of course, you know, Larry and and the whole band there. And it's just a beautiful thing. And we do have to say that the Midnight Ramble is kind of getting a, a fresh face and a New Year's Eve, apparently. Right. And Amy announced that there's a whole bunch of shows coming up and and you're part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a cool thing. Um, so yeah, yeah leaveonhelm dot com. So if people are listening and wondering what's going on there, um, go there and check it out. And there's um, a great lineup of of people coming there, and they are definitely keeping it going, which is awesome. Um, we also have to talk about the Weight Band, um, which you're a major part of, and this great new release that you guys have, Shines Like Gold. Um, I've been playing this. I love your old John version on that. I know the old John is on songs from Lower East Side, too, but um, I've been playing it on, uh, the, on the Shines Like Gold as well. So, um, Oh, cool. Yeah, so talk about the uh, coming together with um, the weight and what made you guys, you and Jim Weeder, essentially start that up. Well, Jim originally, I think with Jim and Jimmy Bovito did some kind of like a tribute to the band. With It was an excuse to have Garth Hudson play. <laughs> and so somewhere in Pennsylvania, they did a gig. And um, I think that's how it just started. And then Jimmy Bovino had to go on to other things and uh, Jim Weider kept it going. And so since maybe that Garth couldn't continue to do it, they, I, I stepped in. Mm-hmm. And so it basically came out of that. And it came out of also just continuing the legacy of Levon Helm and the band music. Right. And then eventually, you know, I feel we like we tried to keep it away. From, I mean, we're, uh, the dreaded word, I mean, the, uh, what would you call it, tribute band. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we're not a tribute band. We come out of that, but we're not a tribute band, although we play all that, a lot of that music, and now we do original music. But Right, right. It was kind of skirting that issue. Right, right. It's like, yeah, it's not like you, if you look at people look at this new CD and they're listening to shines like gold, you'll see it's, it's the weight band. It's not, you know? Yeah. 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 No, it's, and it, yeah. And I'll tell you another thing about it is just that we've gone through a lot of members and everyone that played in the, the weight band is great. They've all been great. Um, but where we're at now is a particular group that sort of has a sound, a unique sound, I think. And I think that the CD represents that the way we sound now and I guess we, our personalities, I think, are part of it. I'll, I'll, maybe a little more now than what it was in the past. So, uh. Yeah, yeah. You guys all kind of mesh. We should say that, of course, Jim Weeder being part of the weight band as well as Michael Bram 
um, Matt Ziner and Albert Rogers on bass guitar. You guys always look like you're having fun when I see you. You got a little warm weather tour coming up. How smart um, with the weight band. So you guys are going to be January 27th at the Brooklyn Bowl. And then on January 28th, you'll be at Levon Helm Studios. I think there's still tickets available for that. You can visit LevonHelm.com. And then you guys are going to Florida. Yes, we are. Yeah, you know where to spend February. <laughs> yes, I was glad I was glad to see that one happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No argument with that. Uh, Weightband.com to check all those shows out. And then um, you're playing tonight, right? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah. Um, right around the block from me here in Brooklyn. Man, that Give doesn't get any easier, right? Get down outside I and roll, boom. I roll my keyboard over there basically it's a beautiful thing you don't have to find a place to park you don't have to deal with any of that right it's true yeah Yeah. Yeah. so if anybody's listening from the city area what time you starting tonight and where it's skinny dennis on metropolitan and grant Mm -hmm. now what is it i think so (laughs) i can't it's in williamsburg brooklyn Uh uh-huh nice and um and just to let you know too uh i've been doing this other I have a monthly gig at the Bitter End that I do, and that's more of my own music, mm-hmm. and that's on February second. Nice. So and I who, do it the first. Who's joining you? Uh, um, Sean Pelton, Zev <sighs> Katz, and Craig Dreyer. Can you bring that back up here a little bit? Uh, yeah, you know, I was thinking about that because you know <sighs> that's a little more of my original music, and uh, so. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to bring those guys up there. Uh, you know. Uh, <sighs> oh my God. But, I'm the yeah. I'm like one of the biggest Sean Pelton fans I know. I'm like crazy when I listen to him or watch him or anything. He's just unbelievable, really, truly something else. Um, you apparently I missed it because I had to be somewhere else, but you apparently killed it. Literally tore the roof off the place at Tinker Street in Bearsville the night before New Year's. Well, you know we had yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was just an offhanded thing to try. And you know now and it I worked. guess we're you know, the twentieth, and yeah, um, we'll have to see if it's. Uh, but I couldn't have asked for. A, I mean, it was packed, and it was fun to have Byron play too, and Eric Parker, and and then we had Carlos Valdez play percussion, and he sounded so good. I just hired him for the next gig, too. and which is going to be um, your your solo. This this group that we're talking about will be at the Tinker Street Tavern, which is part of the Bearsville Theater Complex, and you guys will be there next week, January twentieth. Tell us who's joining you that night. Um, who's joining me? Uh, Jesse Williams is from the North Mississippi All Stars. He's playing bass. Eric Parker, and again, Carlos Valdez is going to play um, percussion. And then, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, anyone else in the area that wants to drop by and sit in. That's another thing that we, uh, like Tony Leone came and he sat in and sang a few songs. And Fiona, his wife, came and sang a song. I mean, I was completely in the mood to like, hey, let's all get up and everyone's having a good time. Right, right. How can you go wrong? Yeah, have yeah. a big jam session and all of that. Man, well, I, I got my calendar marked to be there next uh, Friday night at Tinker Street. Yeah. Um, yeah, so much fun. So much fun to see you. Um, what else you got going on? Are you going to write a book? Yes, I. well, I I have stuff I'm filing. It's, I'm putting all the stories in a folder, and I am going to write it. I just have to sit and finish it. It's kind of half-written, um, but yes. Because, you know, I'm at, a, I'm at that grand old age now where I'm starting to, like, you know, 
I noticed him when, uh, you know who was a great storyteller? Yes. Was, uh, John Howard Bar- Johnson. Oh, Howard Johnson. Howard I was going to talk about John Barry's book, too. But, yeah, Howard Johnson. Oh, Howard Johnson. I just remember uh, Howard, when we were on the road, used to tell great stories. And sometimes he would tell the same story. But they were good stories. And uh, and that's when you know you're a storyteller, when you start thinking the same story. But you can people let you say it. Right. You know? Right. Because they want to hear and, it over again because it's such a great story. And my my guy that the you know, the kind of keeps me in check with that is Michael Bram because mm-hmm. when I tell us, I'll go I don't know if I've told this story and I'll start to say it. he goes well you have but go ahead and say it again I'm like okay well that's kind of a drag but I guess I'm that guy now so <laughs> <laughs> with the great stories with the great stories and of course you're a part of um, John Barry's book he did such a beautiful book on um, the Midnight Rambles and the Levon years and that's a fun book you know the. I actually, uh, a, a part of it that was interesting is, uh, and I, I, I hope this is not an insult, but it's 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 a bathroom reading for me. Mm-hmm. I, I get in my bathroom and I read it, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I always pick it up. And there's some kind of new thing I hadn't caught, yeah. especially uh, how the ramble got to be the ramble. Because uh, I'm sorry to say, I just played. It was a gig, and I came, and I loved it, and I did it for years. But I didn't really know everything that went into how it sort of came about mm-hmm. not to that degree and, and it was really good to read about that part of it yeah yeah and the book if anybody's interested in and in listening to us right now it's called Levon Helm Rock Roll and Ramble by author John Barry um, who I had on the show many many times over the years but also when he released this book and it's just I mean it took me I think three or four days just to read I, I just went through it because it was just so engaging and so many cool stories that you just wouldn't know you know and he spent a lot of time on the road with Levon and before and after the shows and he had some really cool access um sure yeah yeah so good there's stuff. a little a personal aside that was a funny thing about our relationship i, I don't i'll probably tell you this <laughs> like michael bram's out there somewhere going you know you told it but go ahead tell it again so i will <laughs> um but john barry was the guy that we were on the road and clark gayton and i started saying noticing it's that dude what's that weird dude how, why is he in Toronto? Did he travel to this gig just to see it? What kind of lunatic fanatic is he? We didn't know he was writing a book, mm-hmm. so we just keep seeing him appear. And and now later he would he has this thing where he was just trying to not you know be a fly on the wall, so he would just sort of be off to the side. Mm-hmm. But we we mistakenly thought he was just some creepy dude that was like hanging out in the shadows. Right. When did you <laughs> realize then, he was writing a book? <laughs> well, when it came out, such a nice—I mean, he is such a nice guy. Now, I, I mean, we're really good friends. But at the time, he was this weird guy that was just lurking in the shadows <laughs> for reasons I had no idea of what they were. Right. Um, Right. So I'm glad we cleared that up after all these years. Yeah, yeah. Now you know why. And by the way, speaking of, please, 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 if you remember, give Clark a big hello from me when you see him next time. I will. I'm going to see him the next day or two. Awesome. Please do. I've been thinking a lot about him. So please um, send him love and um, all that good stuff. And he's in my I will for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. Brian, one could talk and talk and talk. I'm going to... play some more of your music i want to play this track that you were so kind enough to send me it's a youtube track so anybody can um watch watch it and it's uh it's with levon tell me about this stuff you gotta watch oh yeah yeah that track is an interesting track because 
um, when we recorded it uh, with Larry, he just had me kind of play accordion throughout the whole thing. And I just thought he'd use it for a certain part or here and there. And he basically used the entire track. So I'm soloing on accordion the entire time. And that's kind of a rare thing. So much, And it's so, so it became like a showcase to my accordion playing in a way that it's kind of cool to look back on now and see. It but is, I didn't know it was going to, you know, when it came, the record came out, I said, oh my God, it, accordion's front and center, you know. Yeah, and so, it won a Grammy too. And it did, yeah. Yeah, did. off Electric Dirt, Levon Helm. So we're going to do that. Brian, you're playing tonight. If anybody's in the city, go support live music. Tonight, Brian will be at Skinny Dennis. Next Friday, he'll be at the Tinker Street Tavern in Bearsville at the Bearsville Theater Complex. That's January 20th. He'll be with the Weight Band January 27th at the Brooklyn Bowl. January 28th with the Weight Band at Levon Helm Studios. Brian, your website, brianmitchellmusic.net.com. Yeah. Yeah. I got one more gig to Please. One more gig to throw out. I'm playing with James Maddock on the 24th in Levin Street Bar in Brook, in, Brook, in Manhattan. Oh, perfect, perfect. You and two Sean t- Pelton is playing drums. Oh, so. come on. Killing yeah. me. Everything with Sean in the city. Come on, bring the boy up. <laughs> <I'll> tell, <laughs> Please tell I'll him. Tell him, tell him. It's like, come on. Jeez, make me get down there one of these days. Jeez. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I just can't say enough. Hey, are you and James doing Italy this year? Uh, yes, we, uh, we don't have anything on the books, but we... I'm sure we will. You're sure you will. Um, He had written on social media once you guys got back, and I don't know that it's going anywhere, but he put it out there like, hey, would people like to go with us and we'll do like this tour thing to where, you know, you actually have fans and and people go with you. Um, But that's a lot to put together. I guess he was just throwing it out there. Well, we sort of had a, a discussion for fun, and then I was shocked to see him the next day put that out there and have like, Thousands of people say, sign me up this minute. I said, dude, you shouldn't have opened your mouth. Till... But anyway, it's a, it's a fun idea. It's but, a fun know, idea. It a lot of planning. Yeah, so. and you would need someone just just to coordinate that. That would be like somebody's like, okay, coordinate that, you know, that kind of thing. So. James and I are completely incapable of planning a thing like that so yes absolutely oh gosh yeah well it sounds like a good idea if it ever happens in the future of course so right yeah 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 awesome well listen it's always a pleasure talking to you i always feel like we just scratch the surface with all the great storytelling that you have um like i was saying before um you were on air you know you're this amazing musician multi-instrumentalist composer vocalist you've got your own sound for sure but you're also known um, for being a great storyteller. Uh, when I post that you were my guest and all of this, it's like, oh, my God, he's got great stories, great stories, great stories. So you've got that in your back, too. So I, I do hope that book comes out sooner rather than later. And uh, would love to have you back on, Brian, when that is ready to be published. Yeah, I probably have a few more stories that I haven't told repeatedly. So, yeah, please, let's do it again. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I'll right. see you next week. Safe travels and um, until next time. And thank you for your time here today, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Mine as well. Take care. Bye. All right, bye. 91.3 WVKR. As promised, let's take a listen to Stuff You Gotta Watch from the Grammy-winning Levon Helm Electric Dirt album right here, right now on 91.3 WVKR.
the train It's never on time Yeah, but... 
91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York, broadcasting live from the beautiful campus here at Vassar College. You're tuned into Local Motion. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. We just heard Train is Never on Time with Brian Mitchell on vocals from The Weight Band and their newest release called Shines Like Gold. You can check out The Weight Band at Levon Helm Studios coming up at the end of this month, January 28th. Tickets available at levonhelm.com. We also heard Levon Helm, Electric Dirt, the Grammy-winning album, with Brian on the accordion. Stuff You Gotta Watch. Thank you to my guest today, Brian Mitchell. If you missed part or maybe all of that interview or you just would like to hear it again, I'll be uploading it tonight on the Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR YouTube channel as well as the Facebook page by the same name. If you'd consider giving a like and a follow and all of that good stuff, you'll keep up with all musical stuff here in the Hudson Valley and some of the great artists that we are lucky enough to get on the show. Now we're ready for the second hour of this show. And um, I start off every hour that I don't have a guest by paying tribute to Tony Falco. We lost Tony October 28th of 2021. He was the owner of the Falcon. He was much more than that, but he is known for being the owner of the Falcon, something he started back 20-something years ago out of his home in the back. He had a barn and kind of did like jazz and a potluck thing and got some world-class musician. And then it got to be so big that he opened up the Falcon as we know it to be today on Route 9W in Marlboro, live at thefalcon.com. Tony left us with an incredible playlist that every week I take a track and I take it in order. It just sporadically that way I keep track of it. Otherwise, I'll never keep track of what I'm playing. So um, I'm going to play a track from that here. The Falcon is on a winter break. They'll be back on February 17th with a great lineup. And the best thing we can do to honor Tony is by supporting the Falcon live at thefalcon.com. And this track now from Leslie Mendelssohn, which were quite a few of hers on his playlist. And um, he, I remember Tony telling me about her uh, years ago. And um, let's take a listen now. And let's send some love and some thoughts and all the beautiful memories that he enabled us to have from the Falcon. Let's take a listen right now to Leslie Mendelssohn, 91.3 WVKR. Baby, 
91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. The incredibly talented Ben Allison on bass. He's joined by Chico Panero on guitar, Steve Cardenas on guitar, and Alan Mednard on drums. I was lucky enough to see these guys at the Falcon, and I stayed after the show, and I asked Ben to be a guest on my show, and I'm lucky enough that he said yes. And Ben Allison, I'm thrilled to say, will be my guest next week on the show here. So tune in for that next Wednesday. Um, This album is called Moments Inside. It's got eight tracks on it, and we heard the track called Milton. You can learn more at Ben's website, which is benallison.com, and that's Allison with two L's. And again, we're going to be in-depth with Ben Allison next Wednesday here on the show. And we started off this hour by paying tribute to Tony Falco, which is what we do here each and every hour that we don't have a guest on um, WVKR. We heard the track from Tony's Spotify playlist by Leslie Mendelson. It's titled Be My Baby, and uh, it's off of Leslie's album called Swan Feathers. You, of course, have heard that song before. It was made very famous in 1963 by the Ronettes, and it was released as a single in August of 1963. And it's written by Jeff Barry, Barry, Ellie Greenwich, and Phil Spector. And it was the Ronettes' second biggest hit ever, reaching number two in the U.S. and number four in the U.K., And Leslie did her own beautiful version of it on her album called Swan Feathers. And we're going to keep the music flowing here. This gentleman, tonight, if you're in Beacon or there around or you want to drive to Beacon, you can see some great live music at Dogwood because Stephen Clare will be there tonight. Let's take a listen to him right here, right now on 91.3. Joyous screams coming from the parking lot The sky just opened up The heavens have a way Of sweeping us away It gives us something to talk about Most days I just hide out I hear people come and go Here I am but they don't know I'm locked inside with my piano Oh, that lousy butterfly You so much as blinking eye Don't act so surprised In that instant If it hadn't flapped its wings I might have rolled this piano Right outside Let my freak flag fly And we'd be singing in the rain Don't make me explain I won't drop a ring change everything oh 
All the world could have turned out Upside down or inside out Sunday suit de suit Say je suis very, very If it's all the same to you In another dimension Place or time I might put your drink on ice Instead of fire Wouldn't that have been nice No dice Oh, that lousy butterfly You so much as blinking eyes
91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. Joey Alexander from a release called Countdown, which came out a few years back, um, featuring Jason O'Lane. I'm sorry, featuring Larry Grenadier on bass, Ulysses Owens Jr. on drums, and Dan Chlemensky on bass. Joey Alexander, he was a young, still young, but he was a very young prodigy, piano prodigy from Bali and came to New York and has been rising up the ranks, has played Newport Newport Jazz Festival and traveled all over the planet. Joey Alexander will be performing this Friday right in Tarrytown at Jazz Forum. Terry, uh, jazz Forum has two shows each night, Friday and Saturday, a 7 o'clock and a 9.30 show. I know the 7 o'clock shows are sold out on both Friday and Saturday. You can check out jazzforumarts.org to see if there are any other tickets left to go see this amazing young pianist, Joey Alexander. We also heard music from Stephen Clare uh, To the Trees. This is the new album. We heard Lousy Butterfly. Stephen recorded this at the building with Lee Falco and the rest of the Restless Age. uh, Stephen Clare will be at Dogwood in Beacon tonight. Check out dogwoodbeacon.com. I just got some really upsetting news um, uh, from the rock and roll world. I'm uh, very sad to say that... um, Rolling Stone just confirmed the passing of one of the guitar icons of our lifetime, Mr. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck, guitar. Here, I'll read this to you. Quote from the Rolling Stone magazine. Jeff Beck, guitar god, blues rock innovator, and two-time rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee, has died at the age of 78 Beck's family confirmed the former Yardbirds guitarist death Wednesday, a day after Beck's death. On behalf of his family, it is with deep and profound sadness that we share the news of Jeff Beck's passing, Beck's family said in a statement. After suddenly contracting bacterial meningitis, he peacefully passed away yesterday. His family asked for privacy while they process this tremendous loss. Beck, an eight-time Grammy nominee, was twice inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, both as a member of the Yardbirds as well as for his own work with Jeff Beck Group, unquote, from the Rolling Stones. So I'm sorry just to pass along such devastating news. He was just up in Kingston um, a couple of months ago. He played at Ulster Performing Arts Center, and um, wow, sudden loss there. Um I'm going to keep the music that I have produced for the show to play. And um, if I have time at the end of the hour, which I don't think I will, I'll play a track of Jeff Beck's music. But um, yeah, life is short. Life is short. All right. It's 526. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here with Local Motion. Let's keep the music flowing with our very lovely and talented Ms. Sarah Parada, her newest work here called Blue to Gold. Let's take a listen to Firestorm 91.3. with the 
WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. We just heard from two very lovely ladies, Jessie Lee Montag, her CD called Unhooked, and we heard the track called Cowboy. JessieLeeMontag.com, Jessie Lee, and you spell M O N T A G U E.com. Great CD. I love that, and I love Jessie, and um, yeah. She's from Dutchess County, and, um, you know, we got to support these local artists, and she's an amazing bassist and songwriter and vocalist as well. We also heard Sarah Parada, her latest release called Blue to Gold. We heard the track called Firestorm. Uh, Sarah will be at Rockwood Music Hall on January 29th, and on February 4th, she'll be doing a house concert right here in the Hudson Valley. You can follow her on social media, Sarah Parada, or also check out her website, sarahparada.com. And let's see, I think we'll keep the music flowing here. It's 534. We've got a little bit of time left. And um, yeah, and I want to thank again, Brian Mitchell for being my guest during the five o'clock hour today. If you missed part or all of that interview or just care to hear it again, just uh, I'll upload it tonight on my YouTube channel as well as the Facebook page, Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR. If you'd like to give a subscription and a follow to both of those that would be really cool i was 
uh, sent this next track that I'm going to play, and um, it's by Ree Caston and with Brian, Brian and Ree Caston, and um, it's called I Recall, and it's a beautiful track. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I have listened to it. So let me share this with you right now on 91.3 WVKR. Goodbye as you leave 
91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. That was George Malice, his new release called Let the Day Decide. We had track number one, Shine. George will be performing this Saturday in Rock Tavern at the Hudson Valley Folk Guild Unitarian Universalist Congregation. That's Saturday. And also doing a live stream from that as well. Sunday, his group, The Four Horsemen, will be performing at Daryl's House in Pauling doing a Sunday brunch. DarylsHouseClub.com to check out the info to see that on Sunday. Again, The Four Horsemen doing brunch at Daryl's House. And then on Saturday, Hudson Valley Folk Guild Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Rock Tavern with George Malice. George Malice, actually the website is MaliceMusic.com and you can also find him on social media. We also have a track from Brian and Ree Caston. The track was called I Recall. Info at recasting.com and re is R-H-E-E. Brian and Re in Warwick. They're from Warwick and they own and operate the Open Space, which is a recording studio, an art gallery, and a photo gallery. The Open Space. And I'm going to do musical happenings in... Which is, we're getting towards the end of the show, and um, and that's what we're doing. We always do this at the end of the show in the hopes that you go support our amazing world-class area venues that we have here in the Hudson Valley. Go out and support the musicians and the venues and um, see some live music. There's nothing better and more therapeutic than live music. Um, we do this in alphabetical order, and let's start out with the Bardavon and UPAC. Info at bardavon.org, March one. Sean Colvin, Mark Cohen, Sarah Jaros. April 15, Natalie Merchant. 
Bearsville Theater, Woodstock, New York, also at bearsvilletheater.com. February 8, Angel Olsen and the Big Time Band. March 3, Talking Heads Tribute with Start Making Sense. Caramore in Katona, info at caramore.org. February 12, Chamber Music with Avalis Quartet. March 24, Sean Mason Quintet. City Winery, Hudson Valley in Montgomery. Info at citywinery.com slash Hudson Valley. January 14th, Brunch with Strawberry Fields. Colony in Woodstock and colonywoodstock.com. Tonight, Blue Moon. Thursday, Wolfman Jack. Friday, Justin Adams and Mauro Durante. Saturday, Robert Burke Warren's Bowie Bash. Sunday, Tululu with Setting Sun. And every Monday is an open mic at Colony. Dogwood in Beacon and dogwoodbeacon.com. Tonight, Stephen Clare and Tom Rigney. Friday, The Woodsman. Saturday, Ricky Stein. The Falcon in Marlboro and live at thefalcon.com. They're closed for winter break till February 17th. Reopens on February 17th. Fisher Center at Bard College. Info at fishercenter.bard.edu. January 27th, The Sound of Spring, a Chinese New Year concert with the orchestra now. Howland Chamber Music Circle at Howland Cultural Center in Beacon. Info, howlandmusic.org. This Sunday, piano pianist Frederick Chow on January 15th. Jazz Forum in Tarrytown. Info at jazzformarts.org. Friday and Saturday, Joey Alexander. Two shows each night. Jazz Stock at the Senate Garage in Kingston. Info at jazzstock.com. Tomorrow, a thesis quartet featuring four ladies, Don Clement, Elsa Nilsson, Emma Dayhoff, and Tina Raymond. Levon Helm Studios in Woodstock and levonhelm.com. This Friday and Saturday, Marco Benevento. Saturday, 15, uh, January 15, Graham Lush and Friends. And January 28th, The Weight Band. Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center. Info at sugarloafpacny.com. January 20, Starship featuring Mickey Thomas. Tarrytown Music Hall in Tarrytown, also at tarrytownmusichall.org. January 26th, Jazz is Dead, 25th anniversary, celebrating the Grateful Dead. February 11, Mandy Patinkin. Town Crier in Beacon and towncrier.com, every Thursday, an open mic. Friday on the salon stage at Town Crier is Garen Benfield. Main stage, Vance Gilbert and Cliff Eberhardt. Saturday on the salon stage, Annie Mash Duo. On the main stage, The Presence, Led Zeppelin Tribute. Sunday brunch with Alex Mazur of Gratefully Yours. And Sunday evening, Funksway at Town Crier. Last but not least, there's a special event happening in Beacon. The Reverend Dr. Luther King, the Reverend 
Martin Luther King Parade, founded by Pete Seeger, happening January 16th, this third Monday of January. 9 a.m. opening ceremony inside Springfield Baptist Church at 8 Maddie Cooper Square in Beacon. 9.30, the parade starting in front of the church. And there's a parade route to follow. And the flyer says Pete Seeger's dream was to have a singing parade to honor MLK. It's a civil rights march where we are in the parade singing along. We encourage you to carry positive posters, banners, and American flags. There will be cars for anyone who would like to ride rather than walk. Info at beaconsloopclub.org. Again, that's the MLK Parade on the 16th at 9 a.m. And that's what I got from Musical Happenings here on WVKR, on Local Motion. And I am going to keep the music flowing. Our guest today was Brian Mitchell, so I'm going to play a few more of his tracks before I head on out of here at the top of the hour. And let's, let me get this out. So Brian's latest release called Songs from the Lower East Side. If you're a regular listener to this show, you've heard me play this before, but I'm going to play it again because it's that good. So let's take a listen right now to more of Brian Mitchell's music here on 91.3. Nowhere left 
to go and no one around here cares enough to want to tell you to go home take a look around son your friends are all
91.3 WVKR. Old John off Brian Mitchell's latest solo release, Songs from the Lower East Side. Thanks again to Brian for being my guest today. Thank you, Tom, for calling in from Warwick. Always nice to hear from you. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the show today. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing and giving a like to the YouTube channel, uh, Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR, as well as giving a um, follow on the Facebook page by the same name. I'm thrilled to come back next week. We're here each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. bringing you music of the Hudson Valley. Next week will be show number 350 for me on these airwaves, and I'm thrilled to host bassist extraordinaire Ben Allison. In two weeks, I will have Matt Munisteri on. In three weeks, Mr. Stephen Bernstein. And we've got a great lineup. We're booked all the way through until April. So lots of great stuff coming up. I'm going to leave you out with one more from Brian. This is also from his solo, Songs from the Lower East Side. And um, this one, this one is called Smoke. So Until next time, until next week, I'll be back. I wish you all peace. I've been doing fine Got my feet back on the ground I haven't been doing those things that always brought me down And you and I, we had some good times But sometimes these good times, they could treat you so unkind And I saw you through the window And I had you stop in Find out how you've been doing and how it is you've been. I'll have one more for the road, cause with you I can't refuse. It's funny, but I only smoke when I'm with you. I guess I don't hang out like I did when you knew me when. That I've been hanging out with a different group of friends I don't get so crazy And I don't stand so close to the edge But I don't wake up the next day Trying to find out what I did or what I said And I saw you through the window And I had you stop in
independent for 40 years. This is WVKR-FM Poughkeepsie, 91.3 FM and on the web at WVKR.com.